Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship on this beautiful, cool fall morning. It's looking beautiful out. I don't know if you guys, which way you guys come in from, but driving down 28th and just driving by Hager Park is just a burst of color. So the trees are just looking gorgeous right now. I want you guys to stand up with us and welcome also to our online um, worshiping community and welcome to you guys this morning. I know we have some guests for the baptisms and um, and the dedication this morning as well. So welcome to you guys. I want to start things off reading, um, as I often do, from the book of Psalms. When you open the Bible, Psalms is right in the middle. And it's just a full of poems and songs that David wrote. Um, and he would often sing these and worship with these songs. So this particular one is Psalm 100. And I thought it was a great way to start off things this morning before we get singing. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I love the thought that that last line, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And how appropriate this morning as we um, have the baptism and infant dedication for these little ones. As many times, um, faith continues to the generations and the families, and we're instilling that in the little ones this morning and continuing our faith. So let's worship, let's sing, let's give God praise this morning. Let's sing. Hey! 
guys pray with me? Yes, God, we are your children. Thank you for your love, God. That we no longer need to feel bound to sin, to fear. God, that you have fought our battles, you have gone before us. God, that we are chosen. We are not forsaken. No matter what we may hear, the enemy whispering in our ear about our downfalls, about what we screwed up or what we may have done wrong, that we're, we're no good, that we're not worth anything. God, your promises for us is that we are your children. We are called. We are loved by you, a good and faithful God. Instill those promises in our heart this morning. God, help us to believe those things. Thank you for worship and thank you for just the ability to, to list, lift our voices in song together as a church, to worship you together. It is good. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. I do have a few announcements to get through before we keep on rolling this morning in the service. Um, a few things to bring your attention. We've talked about this last week, but um, for all the men in the church, uh, we are having a pump theology. This Tuesday night at 6.30, we'll be meeting at Hudsonville Grill um, just a little bit south on this road, 28th Street, or 28th Avenue, um, on Tuesday night at 6.30. So it was a great group, great group of guys last time, two weeks ago. Um, come on out if you um, would like to join that again. If you're not involved in that, I mean, if you haven't come before, it's, um, it's not like we're doing a study. You guys can just jump right in. It's really easy. We have some deep theological discussions, sometimes not deep at all, but we do have fun and we have a good time talking. So 6.30, um, join us there. Sunrise Kids. Um, if you have children birth through fifth grade, um, Penny is having an after church 1 p.m. online Zoom safety meeting next Sunday after church. So again, if you have kids in that age group, um, tune in. There'll be links going out later this week and on the Sunrise Kids Facebook page as well for that online training. So lastly, um, we've been talking about this for a while now. You see the food out in the lobby. We are collecting food for a Thanksgiving food drive that we'll be having um, the week of November 14th, that, no, that week, that Sunday morning, November 14th, we are going to be having um, a special service that Sunday. We'll be doing some serving together uh, at that service, so it's going to be super fun. Please come out for that. Also, if you noticed out in the lobby when you came in, there's that table with the food on it. Next to it now, we have some pieces of paper that you guys can sign up for some serving things. We do need some help um, that week and leading up to that week as well. Obviously, we're trying to feed 250 families, and there's a lot of food that goes into a Thanksgiving meal, right? So um, we anticipate not being able to have all the food on that Sunday, so we have to do some shopping that week. So we need some help doing that. We have um, some things prepped for that. So that Sunday, November 14th, serving day, and also sign up if you are willing to help us shop and some things. So that's all my announcements, Dan. So it's on to you. Actually, just kidding. No, it's not. We have Thanksgiving episode 
number two food drive. So watch, watch the video up front. Gwen, you mentioned something before about a special mission, and then Brent over here kind of nerded out and got distracted. That's kind of rude, Austin. Sorry. It was fun, though. What are we supposed to be doing here? It's called a Thanksgiving food drive. We're being asked to deliver food. That's cool. Okay, so do people use an app to order it or something? It's not a delivery service. It's a mission. We're helping people in need. Do you ever think of others? Uh, not really. Well, there's your problem. You need to think of someone besides yourself. I don't know. Kind of done my own thing my whole life. Thinking of others? Eh, okay, I'll try it. Great. I have confidence in you. What could possibly go wrong? Start small. Here comes someone. Pay him a compliment. Oh, hey, Dan. Do you have a minute? Hey, Austin. Did you need something? I just wanted to tell you that, uh, that I look up to you. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. That seems nice, but did he really mean that? Of course I look up to him. I'm only two feet tall. Hey! Sorry, I panicked. Something simpler. I could wave hello to greet people at church. Except you don't have hands. Oh, right. Well, so much for that. I don't know, guys. I don't think I'm cut out for this thinking of others thing. Let's face it. I'm as useless as I am more awesome than both of you in every way. You know what, Austin? I think you'll be just fine. If you're able to help, just show up, participate, and the thinking of others will sort of just happen. This is something God can use you just as you are. All right, look, you can count me in on your mission thing, but I'm gonna be honest. That felt a bit like an after-school special to me. What does that even mean? You ever see those shows after school where there's a good life lesson and everyone's happy at the end and stuff? Something like that, just awful. I like it. You would. Bryn, are you in? Are you willing to help? You know it. I love doing things for others. Good. What we need to do next is to get the word out, and I could really use your help. Gwen, you mentioned something before about a special... Oh, that's rich. Uh, I am glad that there is a two-foot brown paper grocery bag that looks up to me. <laughs> uh, so this is a really great opportunity for all of us to engage in a number of different ways. Uh, we want to help serve 250 families in our community uh, who need some help celebrating Thanksgiving. We do not want to overlook you if you are a family who needs help with Thanksgiving as well. So if you need that, scan the QR code that's on the seat in front of you. You can let us know, sh uh, shoot us an email. We'd love to help you out as well. But here's the thing. This is a big deal. This takes a lot of work. And so what we're actually doing is we have next week, November 7, but then the following week on the 14th, we're going to go shopping together. I can hear that excitement. <laughs> uh, we're going to set up a portion of the sanctuary here to receive groceries that are coming in. What we'll do is we'll come here into this space We'll pray, maybe we'll sing a song or two, I'm not exactly sure what we've got planned, but then we're going to actually go and do some of the stuff that are our values. One of our values is to be compassionate, to be authentic, and so we will spend the time doing that together. We don't want to just talk about it in this space, we want to invest our time in doing that as well. So on the 14th, come ready to shop, okay? We're not going shopping for clothes or for cars, so if Mike Dorn tries to get you to buy a Honda, don't do it. Not on that day. 
You can go on Monday. But on the 14th, even if you can't be here, make a donation that will help us make sure that we can meet the goal of helping our partners serve 250 families together. Look, if you're here for the first time or you've been here for a while, I'm glad that you're here. My name is Dan, uh, and I am taller than a two-foot grocery bag. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things that we get to do here at Sunrise is to celebrate the birth of new children. And so this morning, we get to do that too. Now, we are a church that I love because we help do this in ways that are meaningful for families. I grew up in a strict Baptist church, and so the only way that you can celebrate a child is by talking. No water. And then there are some of us who grew up in other churches where you celebrate the birth and presence of a child with water. We are a church who says we want to help do this in a way that helps everyone feel welcomed and affirmed and celebrates the birth of a child well. And so what we are going to do this morning is we've got two families with two children who we together as partners of Sunrise want to welcome into this church family in order to communicate this. We are a group of people who are joining the long history of people throughout generations who follow God and have said when a child is born, let's get together as a spiritual family, let's bring this child to God in the presence of witnesses and thank God for this child. And then we, as the spiritual family, get to say, you're not alone. Yes, you will have nights that are sleepless. Yes, you have other kids who are going to drive you nuts. But if you need help, whether it's a Thanksgiving meal or someone to call, we want you to know that you're not alone. And so we get to do that this morning. Uh, For us, this is a fun time. Uh, This is a time for family and friends of people who are coming with children to gather with us, to say to us with the parents that they are counting on us as well to walk with this family. So whether you're online or you're in the room, thank you for participating with us this morning for this. So we've got two families. I'd like to go ahead and invite up the Steenwicks. You guys go ahead and come on up. We've got some, a picture here of Chase Daniel. There it is. Look at that. He's a good-looking dude. You guys can go ahead and come on up over here. Hi. Hey, buddy. Can I have a five? Is that okay? That's Okay. I, would, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> uh, we are excited that you guys are here. And so what I would like to do is uh, ask this family a couple of questions. And then to give you a heads up, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions too. Steenwicks, <laughs> you're here with Chase. Hey, buddy. I love the hair and the shirt. It's a good ensemble. Chase, we are excited that you are here. And your parents and your brother are excited that you're here too. And parents, we want you guys to know that we love you. And uh, do you guys see your son Chase as a gift from God given to you? And though you are not perfect, will you do everything you can to raise Chase in such a way that he comes to know and to love the Jesus who you know and love? Okay. I love this verse that you guys picked for Chase. So do not fear, for I am with you. These are the words from God to his people. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's a lot of strength in those hands. 
Church family, family of the Steenwicks, friends of the Steenwicks, would you stand with me? Stand with this family. And I want to ask you a couple of questions too. Will you, as the Steenwick family and friends, as partners of Sunrise Ministries, do everything you can to offer helping hands, listening ears, and encouraging words to Chase and to this family so that Chase will someday come to know and to love the Jesus who we know and love ourselves? If so, say, we will. This is a group of people who stand with you. We make a commitment to stand with your family. We hope that we are a space that is helpful for you, for you, and for you guys as well. So Chase, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's okay, I'm done. (laughs) A little bit of heavy breathing there. (laughs) It's okay. God, thank you for the Steenwick family. Thank you for Chase. Thank you for loving us no matter what, for being just as excited and awestruck by us as we are by a new baby. God, protect this family, protect Chase. Uh, Give them everything that they need through us, through their family and friends, through the gifts of your grace and your love to raise Chase well so that someday he would come to know and to love you as much as we know and love him. In Christ's name, amen. All right, now before you go, I've got a gift for you here. Can I give this to you, buddy? You can take that. No? Okay. That's okay. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Next, we have the Cotmans. Coming up with Lucas. Good morning, guys. <laughs> and the verse that the Cotmans have picked for Lucas is this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevails. Hey, Lucas. Hi. Is your birthday today? It's Lucas's birthday today. Nice suspenders, and he's got a shirt that says it's my first birthday. <laughs> it looks so good. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. All right, Cotmans. We are excited that Lucas is here, that Lindy and Landon are too, and that you guys are here. Um, we want to commit to stand with you as a family so that you know that if you need us, we're here for you. So as you raise Lucas, <laughs> we... Uh, We celebrate that we know and love the same Jesus who you do. And so a question for you is, do you see also that Chase and both of these other kids are gifts from God to you? And will you do everything you can, though you are not perfect, to raise Lucas just like his siblings, to someday come to know and love Jesus just as you do? (laughs) That's so good. Uh, Family and friends of the Cotmans, church family, please stand as well. And if you're online, participate with us too. This is another family with another child, a gift from God who we welcome into our physical and spiritual families. And so, family and friends, Church of Sunrise, will you do all you can, though you are not perfect, to offer listening ears, encouraging words, 
and helpful hands so that Lucas will someday come to know and love the same Jesus who we know and love. You will say, we will. God, thank you for this family, for the Cotmans. Uh, we thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of community. God, we pray for this family too, which you would give them exactly what it is that they need when they need it, uh, that they would acknowledge and know with security and with reminders of your love from us and through your words to them, that whatever plans they have might not work out, but that your plans are what are most important. And so be with this family. God, we love them. We celebrate them in this birthday, and this new child. In Christ's name, amen. You can clap. Go ahead. And then you can I give that to you? There you go. Thank you, guys. All right, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Life is a, a bit of a bumpy ride, right? Yes, there we go. <laughs> um, one of the things that all of us realize through life is that we've got a world around us that tells us to try harder, right? Uh, we have all of these expectations that are pressed on us, expectations that we can press on ourselves. We've got bosses who say, make sure you make this many sales. We've got kids who say, make sure you feed me macaroni and cheese with hot dogs every day of the week. And we've got ourselves who say, make sure that you don't do this, and then we do it. And then we may say, make sure that you do this, and then we don't do it. And there's this internal and sometimes external expectation that tells all of us, You've got to just try harder. So for the last several weeks, we've been trying to push back against that a bit because we serve a God who through Jesus told us, not try harder, but come follow me. We serve a Jesus who we have proclaimed, who we love and are following, who says to us, abide who says to us, I loved you and I formed you before you were born. And so if we can allow that voice to come to a full volume in our minds, I think it can relax our shoulders and help us to try softer. So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about how it is that we would try to do this. We focused on some specific topics uh, that were built kind of as, uh, using this book, Try Softer, as a scaffolding. Now, we haven't walked through every part of this book. This book is not the Bible, but this book is extremely helpful. And so we've talked about what it looks like to try softer with our attention. We spend so much time focusing on so many different things. How can we begin to try softer with where we focus our attention? In that conversation, we realize that we think about ourselves a ton. And so one of the things that we think about a ton is our bodies. We took the time to talk about that. How do we try softer with our physical bodies? I've got gray hair. I've got a broken back. I weigh more now than I have in my entire life. And there's a whole lot of thoughts that can go on inside of me about how my body should look or function that are not very kind. And so for you and for me, what does it look like for us to try softer there? For our emotions, we talked last week 
about how there are categories of emotions that all of us grew up with. I grew up in a Christian family. Over here, you've got emotions that are good and happy and healthy, and those are okay to express. But over here, you've got a whole pile of them that are not good. And so you can't be angry, you can't be frustrated, you can't be disappointed, you can't be sad. And we talked about how that can become not helpful for us if that's our approach with emotions. So we talked about that. This morning, we're going to kind of land the plan on what all of this looks like by the easiest topic that there is. This one will not stress you out at all, and you will in no way relate to it because you don't experience it. We're going to talk about the inner critic. Ooh. Yay. (laughs) We all have this. This inner critic is a voice inside of us or an accumulation of voices that we collect as small children. Uh, Our parents, our teachers tell us things like, don't touch a hot stove because that will burn you. And that you keep that with you as you grow up. But we also have within us other voices that our parents, our teachers, our aunts and uncles, grandpas gave to us as we were kids that can become not helpful. And so what does that look like? Let me read you a a small paragraph here from this book, Try Softer. I am not trying to help this, I don't know this author personally, I'm not trying to sell her books for her, but when I find a resource that I have found is helpful for me, I like to tell people about it. So if you're in a small group, if you are married, if you're single, if you're left-handed or right-handed, this is a book that I would suggest is worth your time, money, and energy to check out. In this book, there are several stories that are told, and here's, here's a paragraph that I want to share with you on this topic. Every time I failed to meet my own rigid expectations, the words I spoke to myself were far from loving. How could you have been such an idiot? You should have seen what was coming. You're too much. This is all your fault. No one wants you around anyway. Whether I'd done something to set my dad off or missed a key shot in a basketball game, my first response was often to blast myself for not doing more or being better at life. I punished myself for being human internalizing and sometimes even magnifying the judgment I felt from others. I tried to ignore my sadness and exhaustion, and I stayed on high alert in an attempt to avoid making another misstep. I wanted to live from the conviction that God's love was good, but that desire wasn't enough to overcome my self-hatred. You don't have to raise your hands, but can any of you relate to that? I told you before that I played soccer growing up. I played basketball, I played baseball, and I was a catcher in baseball, and I thought I was really good. I wasn't that good. And you don't have to be a catcher to understand this, but if you're a catcher, your job is to catch the ball. The pitcher should be able to pitch with all of his or her might and throw you a curveball or a changeup or a fastball, whatever it is, and your job is to catch that ball. And if it gets past you, then your team is at risk of a runner stealing a base. And there were multiple times that the ball would get past me. And runners would steal a base. And I would respond by saying, you know what, Dan? That's okay. Everyone makes a mistake. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was so hard on myself, right? 
You guys have done this as well, whether it's with baseball or soccer or being married or trying to make it through sixth grade, whatever it is. There are times when the voice inside of your head, instead of being kind to yourself, this voice that we're calling an inner critic is one that beats you up, right? And there are times that those voices are voices that we have created within ourselves and we project onto the people around us. For instance, you guys ever walked through a hallway and someone who you had some kind of tension with walked the other direction and they didn't even look at you as you walked by? They just kept walking. And you said hi to them and they didn't say it back? And the story you tell yourself is what? That jerk! I said hi to them. They're not saying hi to me. Obviously, they're frustrated with me. They hate me, but the problem is not me. Or maybe it is. Maybe the problem is me. What did I do? I don't think my breath is bad. Or we think this person is awful. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. We can tell ourselves, right? You get that sense of an inner critic. We tell ourselves what the reality around us actually is. That if we take the time to actually ask the person who walked past us, hey, I waved to you, but you didn't wave back. What happened? You could very easily get a response that says something like, I'm sorry, I've been having a really bad day. I had a friend who died, and I've been really distracted. I'm just kind of walking through life right now, not really paying attention. Can you see how the inner voices in our heads versus the reality that is around us can be at tension in such a way that it causes a breakdown of relationships? And so this topic of an inner critic is a helpful one for us to discuss. Now, there are a couple of other uh, quotes here that I want to point out to you because I think they're helpful. When we have this inner critic, we can respond to it in many different ways. One of them is to try to fight harder. And so this quote, no matter how hard we try, we can't hate or shame ourselves into change. Doggone it, my friends don't like me right now because I cheer for a different team than they do. Man, I let down my spouse because I did something I said I wouldn't do. And so I internally respond to that. Doggone it, that went away. And so I respond to that by telling myself, I'm not going to make it. I keep changing this. There we go. I'm never going to get this right. There's something wrong with me. I can't be real anymore. And that inner critic pushes us to try harder, but at the very same time to paralyze ourselves, which is where this quote, I think, is helpful. Self-hatred or contempt is a big motivator for white-knuckling our way through life. You guys ever white-knuckled? Those of you who are adults who have tried to help your child learn how to drive a car, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You students who have listened to your parents ream you out for something that they didn't take the time to understand before they started talking to you, you know what I'm talking about. We white-knuckle ourselves and we push ourselves as hard as we can to just make it through life and the tough things that we face so that maybe someday through effort and pushing harder and harder and harder, we will come to know and love ourselves because we'll act and perform exactly the way that we expect ourselves to. Or we'll come to know and to love and experience the love that our parents and our friends and our colleagues have for us because we will have done enough to please them, right? Really, we treat all of life like it's a vending machine. If I give you what you need, well, then you'll give me what I want. If I follow all of the rules at home, 
and I show up at home at curfew, then you guys will love me and I'll be able to go out next time I want to go out. Or if I take care of all of the dishes and dinner is ready when you come home from work and I look the way that you want me to, then you'll spend time with me in the evening. But if I don't, well, then I have failed to be who I am supposed to be. And so I have to work on that in order for you to love me. You understand what I'm talking about? Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay, thank you. So I want to square this conversation on two verses that are also in the book of Psalm. Two verses that I think if we are honest will surprise us because they don't have in them the things that we expect to be there if we expect Scripture to say what the world around us says. The psalmist says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate as long as you do the right thing. He is slow to anger and rich in love for everyone who shows up to church every week and gives a donation. The Lord is good to all who don't swear and don't say hi to their neighbors in the liquor store. He has compassion on all he has made unless you voted differently than I did. No. Those are the kinds of things that we would expect, right? The kinds of things that we would tell other people. As long as you don't work in your yard on Sunday, God loves you. As long as you show up the gems, God loves you. But if you use that one word, if you drink that one drink, if you use that one substance, if you spend a night in this way, no, 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 this, is, this doesn't apply to you. If you have a particular accent, if your preferences are to love someone who I don't want you to love, these, aren't, these words aren't for you. But if we can quiet the inner critic in our minds and the words of the people around us and we can just access the word of God that is written right here for every person who reads it, then we understand that God is actually gracious and compassionate. End of thought. He is slow to anger and rich in love. End of thought. No qualifiers. Not in this. The Lord is good to all. Well, what about me? He doesn't answer my prayers. I've been looking for a job for months. I don't have the relationship with my parents or with my friends that I want to have. I don't have another answer for you to push back against this thought that if we are followers of Jesus, believe we're given to David to write down to his church for us to read and understand and know about God right now. God is good to all, and he has compassion and all that he has made. So I just want to ask you this question. If this is true, which one of our values here at Sunrise is that we are a people who are biblical, we look at words like these that come from a library of writings bound together in what we call the Bible, and we say that these words help us see our God, ourselves, and our world correctly. And so if that is the case, we have to square our minds, our lives, and our inner critic around words like these. 
Don't answer this out loud. Don't type it in a comment here on our Facebook page. How hard is it for you to believe this towards yourself? I want you guys to know that I'm really glad that this morning when I woke up and I knew that I'd be coming up here and sharing pictures up on the screen with you to celebrate these two beautiful children who were given to these families, the Cotmans and the Steenwicks, and to this church. I'm really glad that God told me, now hold on a minute. I know that you really want to hate these kids. And I know that the church doesn't like them. And I know that they haven't proven themselves yet for you to figure out if they're going to be your friends or not. But I just want you to know, my expectation is that when you see pictures of them, and you see them breathing up here, and one of them's got suspenders on that says, it's my first birthday, you're going to want to really not like them. I expect you, though, to love them, and to be compassionate toward them, before you even know how they're going to grow up, how they're going to vote, where they're going to go to school, who their friends are going to be. I'm really glad that God said that, because otherwise I would have been way wrong. How about you guys? And why would I say something so ridiculous? Because we serve a God in heaven who every morning when he sees us does not need a reminder from someone else that says, hey, I hope you actually decide to love this person. God, I hope that though you hate this person and you see all of their disappointments and you're just angry with them, you would just switch that off and decide that you'll love them anyway and just white-knuckle yourself through life so that they would feel loved. That's just a ridiculous thought, right? How many of you wake up and remind yourselves when you are going to interact with your grandkids or your kids? God, I really don't like these people. But I know you want me to love them, and so I'll do the best that I can and just fake my way. No, we don't do that. Why do we do that with ourselves? If the psalmist, this person who wrote these words, whose job was to help us see our God and ourselves rightly, to give us words that would become songs that we would sing in spaces like these, to give us insight that would help us to change the way that we think about ourselves, why would these words be here? Probably because they're true. What would it be like if we were a people who could address the inner critics in our lives that tell us you're not good enough, you are a failure, it might be better if you just left your family, it might be better if you just took your life and we were to push back against that, reminding ourselves of these words. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, even when you are not. He is slow to anger and rich in love, even when you hate yourself. The Lord is good to all, gooder than you are to yourself. I know that wasn't correct English. 
He has compassion on all he's made. Compassion on humans. Compassion on aardvarks. Compassion on weeds. Compassion on those black flies up north. If these things are true, and I'm going to pull these things directly out of this book, then these things are also true. And I'm going to put a few phrases up on the screen, things that are true, that perhaps your parents, your teachers, your colleagues, your spouse, whomever, has told you the exact opposite of, but anchor deeply into these things. And here's, here's my expectation of you. I don't expect you to say it out loud. I don't expect you to type it onto your computer screen. Here's what I do want you to do. Quietly say these words to yourself. And if you need to, write them down and take them with you. Or better yet, get this book. I'm loved no matter what. I have choices. In those moments where you feel like you have no choice but to give up, but to beat yourself up, remind yourself, I have choices. I'm capable. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to know I am valuable. God does not make you and choose to have compassion on you and to love you because you are invaluable. He does it because you are valuable. But notice that does not say that we are perfect, and so this is also true. It's okay to need help. West Michigan people, it is okay to need help. It's okay to say, you know what, my family right now, we actually could benefit from one of these Thanksgiving meals, and instead of being somebody who the inner critic tells me, I have to be the person who always gives, I will silence that voice and remind myself that perhaps God's compassion for me will show up by me just saying to somebody, I need help. I need to go talk to a counselor. Small group, I'm not actually showing up in life the way that you think that I am. Can we talk about that? It is okay to need help. And along with that, you can ask for support. Students, middle school and high school, college, it's tough. You've got all kinds of voices who are saying, if you're in college, give me money, borrow money, make sure you go to bed on time, don't go to bed because you've got a test tomorrow, study a bunch, high school students, you know this too, make sure you show up well for your friends, curate your life well online, don't let your parents down, don't ask for help, you should be getting straight A's. The fact of the matter is, it's okay for you to say to your parents, I need help. Will you help me? Stay-at-home parents, this one is very important for you. It's important for all of us, but here's who I think this is most helpful to. 
okay to take care of myself. You will not make it through life well <laughs> if you think your job is to take care of everyone else at the expense of yourself. Don't send me an email for this one, okay? This next one, don't empty your hands, don't throw anything at me, but this one's true too. It's okay to disappoint people. Let's tie that to the last one. It's okay to say to your family, you know what, I can't show up for that event. It's been a crazy week. I need to stay home and I need to recover. I had a professor who, <laughs> he became my favorite. I don't have a great memory. Many of you guys know this, but I remember this guy. He said to us one day after we got our syllabi and we're walking through it and we're all feeling very overwhelmed because it was the class at the end of the day after we'd received many syllabi throughout that day. <clears throat> he said to this, you know what, I know, I know that this might stress you out, okay, all of this information. You, some of you guys have families. Some of you are single. You're working multiple jobs. You have no idea how you're going to pay for school. Here's what I want you to know. It might be that in this class, your job is to not get an A. It might be that God actually wants you to get a C in this class. Because you have family, you have yourself to take care of, and maybe really in the priorities of life, this class, this thing that you're focusing on, doesn't have to be done perfectly. Maybe what God doesn't want you to do is get an A in this class. Maybe what you really need to do for your life to be how it needs to be is to get a C. It's okay to disappoint people. How can all of this be true? <laughs> in a world that tells us to try harder, how in the world can these things be true? Well, let me remind you how. Because the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. No matter what your inner critic says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion and all he has made. And so in whatever way you need to focus on the words that I'm going to say to you here in a minute, you can close your eyes, you can not close them, you can do whatever. I want you to know this. You cannot disqualify yourself from these words. No matter where you have gone, no matter what you have done, no matter where you haven't gone or what you have not done, you were made by and are loved by a God who is more stubborn than any Dutch person you have met. No matter what other people tell you, no matter what your inner critic tells you, your God is stronger than that in his compassion for you. And if you look at Scripture, you grow up in the church, and you have decided for yourself that these are the things that are true, that Jesus is the one on whom you should hang your life, and it is like Jesus who you want to be, then it is good and it is proper for us to embrace these things, not just for the people out there, not to just be compassionate to our neighbors and friends who cheer for Ohio State or who voted for that candidate who we just can't stand or who f waves a flag in their yard that is completely offensive. 
that these are words that if we say we're going to follow Jesus, are words that we have to struggle to apply to ourselves to. I believe that if we can do that work, if we can do the work of silencing the voices that are out there and sometimes the voices that are in here, and we can hang on to words like these that are durable and eternal, then we are well on our way to trying softer. God, thank you for giving us your son, for loving us in ways that... (laughs) frankly, just does not square with life here on earth. I don't know how hard it is for some of us in this room, some of us online, to believe these things, but I know for me, sometimes, this is really, 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 really hard because I can tell myself that I have to meet expectations that are on a job description or expectations that fit the culture of West Michigan. So God, my prayer is that not just that I would be someone who is able to push back against that and remember that you love me no matter what, so I can love me no matter what, but God, would you use me and us as people who are trying to follow you well to create a space (laughs) known as Sunrise Ministries that happens to gather in this building weekly and then spends time elsewhere. Would you use us no matter how we are arranged? as a people who create a space to help others try softer. God, for these families who are raising kids, whether they're the kids who are up here on the stage this morning or kids who are in nursery or kids who are off to college, would you use us as a church family who is trying to offer helpful hands, encouraging words, and listening ears to communicate to the babies who can't even walk yet to the kids who are holding their own babies who can't even walk yet, that they are loved no matter what. We declare these things because of the example of your son and the love that you have for us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We're going to continue in worship and sing. As we sing this song, let's... um also use this time to give of our tithes and offerings. Um, We won't have ushers to come and walk down the aisles and receive of that, but we will have the bucket at the the back, which you can do during the song if you'd like or just on the way out if you'd like as well. Um, But obviously you're not obligated to do that. You can just give of your worship, give of your song today um, to God. So let's sing together. Let's sing Greater Your Lord. Why don't you guys stand with us? Pray. 
my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my God's love is great enough that a man who cheated on his wife and killed her husband before he married her is the person who could claim the words that we just looked at this morning. So I don't care what you have done. Our God is gracious and compassionate and kind toward you. Take that with you this week. Wear it on your forehead. Remind yourself when you go to sleep, when you wake up, when you go to work, when you interact with other people. We are a people who are committed to transforming this world, not with the expectations that we have of other people, but with the grace and the love of God. Sunrise, we love you. We'll see you next week.